I want to tell you about something that changed my life and an amazing thing that blew my world apart and just made it absolutely awesome recently took place in our household. It's a little place called El Polio Rico. It changed my life. Now, for those of you who do not know, you've been hiding under a rock forever. I was introduced to El Polio Rico in the year of our Lord, 2017, <laughs> when my wife's office moved to Arlington, Virginia. Uh, it's a Peruvian chicken place that is out of this world. And you might be thinking, hey, Andrew, we have Peruvian chicken here in Burke. Listen, you heretic. All right? <laughs> It is not El Polio Rico, right? It's not just chicken, right? You don't know how amazing it is unless you've been there. It's absolutely amazing. In 2020, Christina stopped working in Arlington, and so we thought that our uh, days of amazing habit-forming chicken would be far and few between, and they were. Usually on our way back from Ronald Reagan from the airport, we would stop for chicken, and that was about it. But just a few weeks ago, I noticed on my Uber Eats app, sometimes I just get on there and see what's new, you know, <laughs> there was a new restaurant option in our area, and lo and behold, it was El Polio Rico in Fairfax. And I thought to myself, you notice everyone who works with me is like, <laughs> they've had it a lot. <laughs> now listen, I thought to myself, could it be true would it be true had my world just turned from black and white into like HD color? Is El Polio Rico closer to me? Now, founding church, let me testify you before you today, right? The good news, the good news, my world had indeed changed, right? And on Friday night, Christina and I spent our date night at the greatest place on earth, not Disney World, but Al Polio Rico in Fairfax. You're all going to go there and you're all going to be disappointed <laughs> because of my, my, my building it up. But it, listen, it was amazing. It's owned by the one in Fairfax is owned by the same people who own the original in Arlington. I know that you live right down the road, so you probably have it all the time, but I love it, right? As, as we got into the car to pull out of the parking lot after we had this amazing chicken dinner, uh, I looked at Christine and I said, only one thing was missing. What do you think was that? Me. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if you don't know, my mom moved in with us and we didn't take her. <laughs> no, <laughs> we didn't take But she's had, you've had it a couple times since you moved in. <laughs> The only thing that was missing on Friday night was dessert. It was dessert. And then what did my wandering eyes land on as we were pulling out of the parking lot? Rita's Italian Ice. Across the street, Rita's Italian Ice. Foundry Church, I am not ashamed, but a tear formed in my eye. And I turned to Christina and I said, the Lord has blessed me abundantly today. You can ask Christina, this is all true, and I think I follow up by saying we are spending date night here for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> now, here's the reason I tell you all this story, because I did absolutely nothing. I did absolutely nothing to deserve 
that date night, that, that meal and dessert. I was with my beautiful wife at an amazing restaurant, nothing fancy. Right? If you've been to El Polio Rico, it's not fancy. Right? And then there was pleasantly surprised by an awesome dessert place right across the street. I did nothing except show up. Right? And that's what I did. I put myself in the right spot to experience an amazing thing. And not only myself, but Christino were able to reap the amazing benefits of this particular date night dinner. And here's the thing, Foundry Church. Right? If, if, you've, if you've been here the past couple of weeks, we've seen in this series that we're calling Overflow, uh, we've learned the same thing is true when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. Right? We do not have to do much of anything to produce uh, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We don't do anything, really. All we have to do is put ourselves in the right position right? in order to, to receive it. We have, to, we have to stay close to God, and then he will do the rest, right? We, we started to see that we have to take our hands off the top of the cup and let him fill the cup. We have to let him overflow the cup, hence the, the title of the series, right? Overflow. And the Apostle Paul lists nine things that overflow from that cup, right? The, the fruit of God's spirit. Nine attributes, nine flavors of Italian ice, if you will. Or as Paul explains, nine parts of one fruit. And they're simply this, right? Love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now last week, we, we talked about love, that it's the first bite uh, it's the first bite attribute, the one that I believe from which all others flow. And today we're just going to talk about two more because they're so connected, and that is joy and peace. Right? And whether you are aware of it or not, these two traits, joy and peace, man, I think they're the ones that our hearts, our souls, down in our guts, desire more than any of the others combined. Joy and peace. Right? Seriously, right? just think about it. Right? I don't necessarily want to love everyone. That's hard. I don't want to do that. I'm not, I'm not at home on Saturday night just longing to love my neighbor more. Right? Even though Todd's my neighbor. <laughs> right? I, and I can be honest and I can say that when I'm driving on 395 toward the city, my heart is just not aching. Right? Just not, it's just not aching with this desire to be kind to the person that's riding my bumper like it's the last piece of barbecue at a church picnic. Right? I don't want to be kind to that person. Right? That's not the longing of my soul, usually. But joy and peace, well, I think we can all say that it is something that we want and maybe even will give our left arm for. Right? Isn't, isn't the, reason, it's the reason why we watch football uh, games every weekend on Saturday or Sunday? Right? Because we want some joy, maybe some peace. Isn't the, the reason why we want our team to win this afternoon? It's not because uh, you get money from the, the win. All right, well, could be, right? Depending on what you're doing with the sports books, I guess. I don't know. Right? But it's not, that's not the reason, right? It's, you don't get any of the glory from the win. 
right? You're not, you're not there, like, chanting with the team, and, you know, you're not going to be in the papers, like, you know, the Washington football team wins with the help of Andrew, right? Because <laughs> he watched the game and fell asleep in the second quarter, right? right? We don't get the glory from the win. It's because in this horrible world, we can just get a little bit of a teeny tiny bit of joy and peace from that game or from that touchdown or that interception, right? It's also the reason why we give our kids maybe a little bit more screen time than we probably should, I mean, we all know that it's probably not the best thing for them, but, but if we just don't get a little moment of peace today while something really unpeaceful is going to happen up in this house, right? And that's what we think, right? Isn't the reason joy and peace and the desire for it, isn't it the reason that we go on vacation? You know, every year, Christina and I, we can't wait to go to the beach with her family and finally get some peace and have some fun and joy with the family. And, and every year, though, Christina and I, we get into a fight while we're packing up because she's bringing too much. And so we get in this argument, and like, who needs that many swimsuits, right? right? And then every year we spend too much money on the way down there, and we spend too much money while we're there, and we spend too much money on the way back. But every year, right, we, we keep going back, hoping for some peace and joy. It's where we're at. All right, listen, Foundry Church, there are a lot of obstacles uh, to achieving joy and peace, and not just in the big moments of life, like vacation, but in the little ones, in the little areas of life, like, like dinner together as a family. There's, there's some obstacles there. I hear just a, a few obstacles that I could think of first, right? Joy and peace do not come naturally. Right? They just don't. In my life, I've known a few people who, I've just, a very few people who were naturally joyful. And, and my wife, Christina, for instance, is one of those people. She can find something to laugh about in any situation, even if it's going to get her in trouble. Right? She is always trying to flip negative things into good things. She's a naturally joyful person. And then I know a few other people who were naturally peaceful people, right? They're the guys who look like this. Can you, can you see this, right? The, the dude is sitting there at his table drinking coffee, and his house is on fire, and he's like, this is fine, right? This is fine. I got this. All right, this, is, this is fine. This is okay. Now, I might come from delusion, but... But listen, right, the, the whole world is burning down around him, but for some reason they are fine. We know people like that, right? And we think, who are these people, right? Where were they made, right? But for most of us, it's not like we wake up with our hearts and our attitudes automatically full of joy and peace. In fact, we often wake up feeling the opposite of joy and peace, don't we? Right? What are your Monday mornings usually like? <laughs> right? My wife, for instance, she is the most joyful person I know, like I said. Right? You can hear her, her laugh a mile away. That's how I find her when I get lost in stores. <laughs> right? Right? She brings joy with her when she walks into a room. But if you wake her up in the morning, well, let me tell you, there's no joy. Right? There is no, she will kill a person. Right? She will kill you. It takes a minute. Or as we've learned in our marriage, it takes a few hours for her to have joy, 
to have that joy. Right? I don't even talk to her before 11. And you think I'm joking. I don't. Right? Right? Some of us never find that joy. We never find that peace. I know that in, in my life, I often feel like I'm just, I'm just waiting on this, this joy and this peace to magically show up in life. And it never does. It never does. I think many of us, without realizing it, have always hoped that joy and peace would be something that just naturally happens in our life. Right? Or, or, or maybe we've attached joy and peace to this statement. The statement that says, once that happens. Right? We can have joy and peace once that happens. Right? Once, once I make more money, I can have joy and peace. Ah, once I meet that right person, I can have joy and peace. Once I graduate high school, I can have that joy and peace. Once I, once I get that job, my dream job, I can have joy and peace. Once we have that baby, I can have joy and peace. Once we move away from D.C., I can have joy and peace. Once Barton and I have a motorcycle with a sidecar, we can have joy and peace. No? There are a million things, Foundry Church. Right? There are a million things that we could add to this list. Right? All right? Something all popped up in your head. Once I have, once I do, once I obtain, right? once we, I reach this level, I can have joy and peace. But here's the truth. I've had a million of those once that happens statements for myself. And the truth is, even, even when those once that happens, events actually do happen. Why well, I, I always come up with something else that needs to happen, right? Once it happens, something else needs to happen, right? This, this world has never been enough, and it will never be enough. That's just a true statement for those of us who are forging our life on God. We're not created for this world and the things of it, but we're created for another world, and and listen, that's just the first obstacle to finding joy and peace, right? The, the second one is this, right? Like we just mentioned, the world isn't necessarily joyful and peaceful, right? Oh, you just got to turn on the news, right? You generally cannot turn on the news and hear messages of joy and peace, right? When you drive in traffic, you do not get the feeling uh, that other drivers are full of joy and are peaceful people. And, and we, can't, we don't even need to get started on social media, right? Multiple scientific studies have found a strong link between having social media and an increased risk for depression, anxiety, loneliness, self-harm, and even suicidal thoughts have been raised almost 80% because of social media. Now, one study found that 89% of students experience phantom vibrations. All right, this, this is the feeling of vibrations from a mobile device that is not actually vibrating. And i got to be honest, I've thought my phone has been vibrating in my pocket before, and it was not even in my pocket. Right? People... We're craving that good feeling that, that we get from the, uh, the, the receiving of likes or views or, or a heart on social media. Right? And so we just started imagining getting them instead of actually getting them. Right? If you're looking for joy and peace, do not go to Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. Right? And that's, that's just social media. Right? Maybe you work with some really horrible people, people who are, are negative, critical, or combative all the time. 
Maybe your boss is a grade-A jerk. Maybe you're married to a grouch who always complains. Maybe uh, you're, you're, you're raising someone who's never happy, right? And it's always about them. They're, they're, you're just raising a selfish jerk. Maybe you live next door to the original Karen, and she just ruins everything. See, my point is that whatever environment you are in, you are surrounded by people. No matter where you are, you're surrounded by people just like you who do not magically feel joyful and peaceful every moment of every day. And you're surrounded by people who are facing difficult circumstances just like you. And then when you add it all up, it's, it's one big barrier that we have to joy and to peace. Now, one more piece of bad news. That, uh, the last obstacle is this, right? Things can happen that disrupt our joy and peace. Right? Things can happen that just derail our pursuit of joy and peace. Or even just rob it from us, right? Just takes it from us, right? Man, have you ever come home from work and thought, oh, finally, right? I, I'm out of work, right? Those people cannot, they cannot bug me anymore. I am home and can finally get some peace and happiness. And then you open the door and bam, right? It's right there in your face, right? You see your wife or you see your husband and you know in an instant there's going to be no peace, and there's going to be no happiness, right? You want to quietly back out of the door, but they've already seen you. <laughs> and you're trapped. And you're like, oh. So, so you feel like those, those people in the Jurassic Park movie, and you just freeze, right? You're thinking, man, if they can't see me move, I'm not here, right? I can hide. It never works. It never works, right? We've all tried it. Right, but like the, the famous philosopher Forrest Gump once said, crap happens, right? <laughs> right? Things happen, right? Nothing can ruin a peaceful day like an unexpected fight with your wife or with your husband. Nothing can ruin your joy like an unexpected flat tire on the way to the baseball game or to the grocery store. Nothing disturbs the peace like some unexpected bad news. An unexpected bill arrives and you're just like, there goes my week. A car breaks down, and you don't know what to do. There's no peace. There's no joy. You know that. A parent has to be taken to the hospital. Your kids, they won't stop yelling at each other, right? We get the idea, like Forrest Gump said, crap happens, right? There are a lot of things working against us in our search for joy and peace. They're, they are not naturally occurring things in our life. And so that is the onion that we need to peel today, that we need to get on top of and, and put against the word of God so that God can speak into it. Like, look, take a look. It's this, right? In a world that lends itself toward chaos, how do we find joy and peace? Right? In a world that is just full of chaos and grind and pursuit and junk, how do we find joy and peace? Well, here's what I've been thinking and wrestling with. Right? It is interesting that these are characteristics that we rarely associate with God. Think about it. Right? I've, I've already said it. They're the things that we long for the most, I'm pretty sure. 
joy and peace. But really, if we, if we really look at it, they are things that we associate the least with God. Right? We all know that God is loving, and of course he's good. And sure, most of the time he seems like a pretty nice guy, so he's, he's kind, right? But when was the last time you heard somebody say, I just want to praise you, God, because you're so joyful? I don't think that. Right? God, your, your smile is, is so contagious. I just want to thank you for that. We, we don't say that. Man, God, that, that joke you told the other day, wow, that really made me happy. You're so funny. You're awesome. That doesn't happen, right? right? But church, right? here's the thing. The Bible tells us that God, the God that we're forging our life on, absolutely bears these traits. I mean, just look at this verse from the book of Nehemiah. All right, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, it says this, And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not be, de- be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Right? Think about it, Foundry Church. Who invented laughter? Like, I mean, I mean like Santa Claus belly laughter. God did. Right? Who wired us with a desire for relationships that bring peace and bring joy? God did. Who commanded rest, celebrations, and festivals uh, to people in the Old Testament? God did. Right? He is a joyful God. He is a fun God. He is a happy God. And his people, us, forging our life on him should be too. Right? When people think of the kingdom of God... They should have pictures of joyful people who know how to party, right? People who who love one another like we talked about last week and people who have fun together, people who do life together with joy, right? We don't get together and sit in circles singing kumbaya. We don't sing dirges, right? We fight with joy together, right? When I'm thinking about this, when I'm processing this, I like to think of that scene from the movie Braveheart. All right, and if you haven't seen it by now, you're, I'm going to ruin it. All right. All right, from that scene, you, got, you know what I'm talking about, what scene I'm talking about? Does anyone know? Right, they're, they're standing on the battle line, right? They're about to go into battle, right? Their lives are on the line. They're outnumbered, right? Defeat is most likely for sure going to come, right? And what do they do? They turn around and they lift up their kilts and they moon the enemy, Right? right? They have some fun, right? They, they have some fun before they go into the battle. It's, it's just like when you're, you're, playing, you're playing a sport and, and the emotions are high and, and everyone is giving these pregame speeches and, and everyone is just all tense and tight. And someone says, as they get on the first play, this actually happened to a, a friend of ours did this. He was a defensive lineman, and the first play, he gets his hand down in the dirt, and he goes like this, because everyone's so stressed for this big game, and he goes, I'm a dinosaur, right? And everyone just starts laughing, right? Loosened up, and we actually played well, right? We play the game. That's what I think of, right? We're in a battle. Arrows are flying, and God says have joy because there's joy even in the battle because we serve a God of joy. And God is a peaceful God, too. 
Right? When Isaiah prophesied the birth of Jesus, he called him the prince of peace. So, so I, I, when, when, when Isaiah was prophesying about Jesus being born on Christmas Day, he said, Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, is the prince of peace. He's the ruler of peace. He's the inventor of peace. All right, with this, think of the story from Christmas Eve 1914 when thousands of British and Belgian and French soldiers put down their rifles and they stepped out of their trenches and they spent Christmas, right, the birth of peace in this world, the birth of peace itself in this world, mingling with Germans along the Western Front. Right, a moment of peace at the beginning of World War I. Right, there is peace available in the battle. Right? I mean, look at, look at what Paul wrote in the book of Romans. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to this, to this one. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. If you don't have your Bible or need a Bible, use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, and they are free. You can take those with you when you leave here today. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Am I going to put it on the screen? Because I want to... I want to get us used to turning there and using our Bibles. Christina read this uh, before the service. She said, I was quote, quoting here Paul, and it says, May the God of hope, right? May, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. <laughs> Keep your finger there. We're going to look at that again. All right, Paul says, God is the God of hope. The God who's capable of very big things. The God who saves Right? The, the God who rescues, the God who delivers, the God who rips the chains off of you, right? The God who gives you a reason for courage in the middle of difficult circumstances, the God who is bigger than the universe, the God who created life, the God who is peace and joy. So, right, take, take a look at this, right? He is the God who can fill you with joy and peace. That's our God, right? He's all of these things. He's the God of hope, so he can fill us with joy and peace. In fact, as he fills you with joy and peace, Paul wrote that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? The, the, the part of the, the Trinity that brings this fruit to bear in our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good to me. Right? This battle... Right, this life, this, this world is hard. And I, I seem to be fighting every step of the way. You ever feel like that? Two steps forward, three steps back. Body punch after body punch. Right, so, so an overflow of hope sounds good to me. Right, but, but then there's, there's this little... Five-word phrase, this little phrase that sits in the middle of this verse. I actually changed it, so it's not going to be five words. Don't count. Don't count. But did anyone catch it when we read it? Before you put that up there, Carol, just wait. All right? 
Some translations, like the ESV that we read from or what the Pew Bibles are there, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In believing. Some translations, NIV, the NLT, if you got that in your lap, if that's what you're looking at on your phone. Right? It says this, right? In believing or in trust, some translations say. Right? Some translations, as you trust him. As you trust him, right? That's, that's the tough part right there. All right, our God is a God of hope that can bring joy and peace as you trust him, as you believe in him. Trust, believing. Oh, just trust. Oh, just trust. Well, if that's the case, then I'm screwed, right? <laughs> just trust, just believe. I mean, for some of us, this, the, the list of people that we trust in this world is about two people, and sometimes those people don't make the cut, right? My own mom doesn't trust me half the time, right? <laughs> that may be because I try to trick her a lot, but, but a lot of the time I, I'll tell her something, and she will immediately, like immediately look at Christina and say, is that true? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Trust. Belief, it's difficult, it's a struggle. We've got to fight for it, I get it, right? And, and no one knew that trust is difficult better than Paul who wrote this, right? He had every reason not to trust God. He was beaten, he was imprisoned multiple times, he was shipwrecked, he was mocked and spit upon, he was accused, he was beaten, he was betrayed, abandoned, he was questioned by idiots over and over. His life was in danger several times, right? His freedom was taken away several times, whether that was by him laying down his freedoms or just them being forcefully taken from him. So why trust God? All of the, all the chaos of the world was literally beating at this man Paul's door when he was writing this. Why trust God? Because Paul knew that this was true. Joy and peace come from an overflow of trust. Right? The, the joy and the peace that we had just talked about comes from an overflow of trust. The world can be on fire around you, but God is with you. God, the inventor of joy and peace, is with you. Paul could stand in his prison cell with joy and be in peace because he trusted in the God of the universe, Sondry Church. He believed in the good news of the universe. He forged his life on it. It did not matter where he was. It didn't matter what he was lacking, what he was experiencing. It didn't matter about the grumps that were all around him. He trusted in God and joy and peace overflowed in his life. Now, I know that this sounds nice. But if you're like me, you wonder if it just seems too simple. Really? Just trust? believe, right? Just trust that God, he will, he'll give me more peace and more joy. Sure, okay, but what does that look like, right? Well, let me, in the, the short time that we have left here, in just the last couple minutes here, let me get real practical. What does that look like, that trust, that believing that he will bring joy and peace? It looks like this first, right? Trusting God means working on your environment. Right? 
Trusting God means working. Now, let me be clear. Working on your environment does not mean move, all right? <laughs> that saying that the grass is greener on the other side is true. And, and, and let, me, let me be clear. It's a sin, right? Envying the grass in someone else's yard solves no problems and will bring you no peace and joy. It's just striving for things, right? Because if you, you give in and you get to the other side of the fence, you will find that the grass, well, it's just grass that someone took a little bit better care of. And now you still have your problems. You're just on the other side of the fence, right? When I say work on your environment, I mean this, working on being in the environment of God, right? All right, spend time with God. Right, because as we just learned, peace and joy do not come from the absence of chaos, from the absence of that grind, from the absence of all those body punches, the absence of the tripwires that are around us that just mess with us. Right? It's not the peace and joy doesn't come from the absence of those things. It comes from the very presence of Christ, of God in our lives and our forging our life upon him. Peace and joy come from the presence of God, from us getting our stupid hand off the top of the cup and letting him fill it. Right, It is so much easier to trust someone when you know them. And you can not know God if you never hang out with him, if you're never uh, in his presence, in his environment. Maybe for you, trusting God means that for the first time in your life, you commit to praying each day before you leave your bed. Right? You know, sometimes I make the mistake that, like, you know, I, for me, I got I to gotta have this big ordeal. I got to make... Right? I got to make changes. If I'm making a change in my life, it has to be like this. I get stuck in that lane. Right? And so maybe you're thinking that. Like, if I pray to God, that means I got to have, you know, this, you know, wasn't there a movie a while back called The War Room? I got to have a closet and <laughs> candles and no, no. Before your feet hit the ground, Lord, I am yours. You're my God. Guide me today. Right? All right, you start your day in his presence for the first time ever. Maybe trusting God means you join a, a table group for the first time in your life, a small group, a Bible study, and you commit to spending the next 10 weeks learning the rhythms of changing your environment to the one that it's centered on, right? God, right? Uh, our, our first table group kicked off last Wednesday with a lot of you. Another one kicks off today, so there's still time, right? from either one of those, all right? Just show up, Tyler, he'll, they got plenty of food, all right? <laughs> you may not have to eat, but. Just... <laughs> right. Or you take one of the devotionals that we have out there in the lobby that are free, and you commit yourself to reading that with a friend here, right? You download the version app on your phone. It has hundreds and hundreds of devotionals on there, right? Maybe trusting God means you take inventory of all the things that threaten your joy and that threaten your peace, and you turn those things over to God. You go to battle with him. Right? It's social media threatening your peace and your joy. Maybe taking those apps off your phone for the next couple weeks and trusting God with, the, with that time right, is the step you need to take. Right? Is pornography threatening your peace and your joy and your relationships? Maybe you tell a friend and you sit together and you install a program on your computer that blocks those sites and you trust God with those thoughts that you give to those sites. 
right? It's, it's school and it's work. Right? I know you just can't, you know, forget that. Like, I'm not going to work, right? I know you can't quit those things, but maybe you can take the time on, on your drive to work or to school and trust God with the time, right? With that time by, by listening to the Bible instead of the radio or, or just listening to his words or just being quiet and saying, God, I am yours. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. Lead me today in this rough environment All right, where I'm not thriving. Help me thrive. All right? Changing your environment does not mean changing where you are as much as it means inviting God into the environment that you're in and trusting him with it. Does that make sense? Right, in, a, in a different letter, uh, the apostle Paul wrote this in Philippians. He said this, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commandable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about those things. Right? right? We cannot control every person or, or everything that disrupts our peace and joy, but we can control where we focus our attention on. All right? Next, right? Another thing. Trusting God may mean getting some help. Right? Maybe it is time for you to reach out to a friend, to reach out to me or someone here at the church or to a counselor. We have a counseling office, Safe Harbor Christian Counseling downstairs. Right? Maybe you're going through something or struggling with something that is robbing you, just stealing, downright stealing. Like, like Scripture says, you know, Satan comes like a thief in the night. Right? And he's coming and he's downright robbing you right now of some peace and of some joy. All right? All right honestly, church, right? The last three years, they've been really tough on all of us. All right? So maybe you do need some help. Right? Me, me included. Right? We, we you know, t- actually, today, all right? Today is our fourth year anniversary as a replanted church. Right? All right? Four years. Right? All right? We, we replanted a church, and then a little over a, a year later, COVID happened, right? Woo, that stunk, right? <laughs> During all that time, we, uh, before the replant, two, two of our main leaders who were really kind of helping push this thing forward passed away unexpectedly of heart attacks, right? And then we had to close the doors because of COVID. We had, to, we had to rethink church completely, right? Then there was a period of time when, when if, if one more person asked me to help them pack up and move, I was going to literally break down and cry, right? I mean, we laugh about it, but I'm dead serious, right? If one more person was going to ask me to help them load up a U-Haul and move, a friend, right? I was going to, I was going to lose it, right? And then, and then we have to work through this, this crazy election season, ups and downs, no matter what side politically you're on, right? We're all part of the kingdom of God first. And then uh, there was a season of uh, some of my closest friends were brokenhearted because of racial tension, and there was just nothing that I could do about it. And then just when I thought things were, were just starting to settle down, right, my father gets sick and he passes away. And earlier this, this month, no offense, mom moved in, right? <laughs> right? And the, the, the constant infertility treatments that Christina has to go through, where I can do nothing but hold her hand. Right? We all need help. 
There's all kinds of things going through our lives. Church, right, peace and joy have been a fight for many of us, myself included. And I'm not ashamed to admit that I had to raise my hand. And I had to say, I need help. Right? I had to go to my, my friends. I had to go to my, my coaches that were there for me and praying for me and encouraged me to go see my, my psychologist down in Florida for a week where I sat for a whole week every day for a week, which was tiring in and of itself, talking to my counselor, right? right? But that's what the body of Christ is. Right? It's, hey, let's come alongside each other. Let's use our gifts together and take ground for the kingdom of God in our own hearts, in our minds, in each other's lives, and in our communities, right? One of the, we've got to do it together, right? One of the, the things that God uses to speak to us is other people. So do you hate asking for help? Most people do. I do. But, but I've learned this. Just on the other side of, of desperation is hope. <laughs> so it's worth the ask. It's worth the humbling yourself and saying, I need help. Because there's nothing wrong with it. It makes the church stronger. It advances the mission of God. And so maybe for you, trusting God means humbling yourself and asking for that help. And then finally, some of us are here. This is what we need to do, right? Trusting God may mean asking God for, uh, to help you trust him in the fir- for the first time. I'm getting tongue-tied, right? Maybe you haven't made him the Lord of your life. Like I said, in just a uh, a few weeks, we're going to be celebrating baptisms. And this is an opportunity for where I'm holding your feet to the fire. If you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you haven't heard the gospel, which is Jesus came into this world for us, right? And you haven't declared, as it says in Scripture, that you want him to be the Lord of your life, that you accept his salvation. And then as it says in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, if, 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 you know, if you've done that and you haven't done this or, or whatever, just don't. Don't get lost in the weeds, but accept Jesus as your Lord and just meet him in the waters of baptism where it represents his death and his burial and his, his resurrection. You get this new life and this, this new power that's available to you. All right. What would it look like for you to take one step closer to God is what it comes down to. Right? If joy and peace come from trusting him, how can you trust him more? I love what a man said during an encounter with Jesus. One of my favorite statements in all of scripture, in Mark, it says this. I do believe, but help my unbelief. Right? I do believe, Jesus, but help me overcome my unbelief. Take a step closer to him. Right, maybe today it's the day that you ask uh, God to help you trust him more. And maybe today is the day that, that we ask him to give us more peace and more joy. And so as the, the worship leaders come back up, remember, joy and peace are a part of the fruit of the Spirit of God. They are an overflow of him. So when our joy and our peace feel threatened, when they are being robbed, downright taken from us or disrupted, we can cling to the God that we're forging our life on. No matter where you are, you got to ask him to help us trust him more. Because remember, right, it comes down to this. Joy and peace come from an overflow of trust. Trust in the God who can bring about hope. And just downright true joy 
and peace. Let's stand and worship him some more.